this episode of the Short Side Option Podcast brought to you by the Email Boys, your favorite friend collective's favorite friend collective. Sporting purple since the birth room, season tickets since three lockets ago, and passing high school geometry by studying Tex Winner's triangle offense. The Email Boys thrive in the clutch and in most social settings. Driven to rep the cats and educate the community on what it means to bleed purple and be excellent. When the purple gets ready to roll, the email boys are ready to deliver. And now, Mr. Icon, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. It's Chris Sork alongside D. Lou here to recap K-State's big 38-35 win over the Oklahoma Sooners and look ahead to uh, K-State's conference opener at home against the Texas Tech Red Raiders Saturday 2.30 on FS1. Cancel your dentist appointments, folks. Dentist appointment is off the books now. It is time for Wildcat football. As they take on a Texas Tech team, uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, little dichotomy here, d because K-State overcomes monumental odds to, to come back down from uh, you know 21 points on the road at Oklahoma. What seemed like a hopeless situation, uh, K-State comes back and wins. Texas Tech, on the other hand... The game is in hand. You're up 15 kicking off with three minutes left. And you lose. And you lose. That's... Yeah. So, so two different ends of the spectrum here as, as, uh, as each team uh, gets underway here in, in, in the conference season. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the Texas Tech game later on. But, ooh, gosh, I mean, watching that, it, it was rough. It, well, and you know the thing too is with that Texas Tech game, I was able to be able to watch the final about minute and a half. Once I saw that Texas had recovered the onside kick, I said, you know, they're going to go down and score, and by God, they're probably going to get this two point conversion because at that point, when they didn't recover the onside kick, at least to me. You felt like Texas Tech was in a real world of trouble because, one, when has Texas Tech ever really made a big-time defensive stand? I mean, granted, I haven't I, – I can't – you know, I don't have an encyclopedia in front of me of all the Texas Tech, uh, you know, seasons from here on out. But it, it, it's, a, it's a team that has never been good on defense. And quite frankly, you know, when you get Ellinger in that, in that situation, that there's probably no guy you'd rather have in the Big 12 – uh, maybe they and him right now uh, in terms of a dual threat, do it all quarterback. But uh, we'll get we'll get to Texas Tech here in a little bit. But that was a uh, two very interesting games uh, last week that had um, you know obviously uh, a, a kind of a correlation in, in how things uh, transpired at least in terms of the unlikeliness of, of uh, what happened uh, taking place. You know what I said when I at, at the end of that Texas Texas Tech game. What would you say? This league, man. This league. This league, brother. You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you what. The Big 12 has been anything but predictable uh, so far here as we, as we make our way uh, into week three here for, uh, for most teams in the Big 12. But let's go ahead and recap K-State's game because we talked a little bit about Texas Tech and their, uh, their collapse. Let's talk about K-State's 
I will go ahead and say this as my soon-to-be 29 years on this earth is coming up here next month. I don't think I've seen a more unlikely K-State win given the quality of the opponent that we were playing and given that you know, there was still plenty of game left, I mean, of course, but being down by, by uh, 21 points, your offense had done literally next to nothing all day. And then, uh, let me just tell you. Okay, so Oklahoma scores to go up 28-7 to with 6 minutes and 35 seconds left in the third quarter. K-State goes ahead and outscores the Sooners 31-7 to in the final 21 minutes of game time. Well, yeah. I mean, not only that. It's big plays. When K-State cut it, yeah. cuts it to 14, OU goes down the field and scores. Yeah. And then we're back down, you know, back down. And uh, then it 21. feels like we're kind of no, chasing was, our tail a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, how are we going to be able to stop these guys? And, you know, but let's let's kind of break it down here. Let's let's start it here at, at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Oh, not, not pretty offensively. No, not pretty. I mean, K-State starts the game with uh, punting on its first three possessions. And not only that, uh, K-State got one first down in, mm-hmm. in those possessions. I believe it was on a penalty, too. Um, yes, you're, uh, you're right. It was a, a defensive delay of game. Which the, gives the common, the commonplace, you know, I mean, yeah. run the mill, you know. A, a defensive delay of game, barking out snap counts, gives K-State its first first down of the game. That came uh, into the second quarter. and uh, But it, it just wasn't clicking offensively for K-State in the first half. Still doing some of the same stuff we saw against Louisiana, or um, Louisiana, Arkansas State, excuse mm-hmm. me, uh, where it's just getting stuffed between the tackles, you know, the, the passing game wasn't clicking, really. Um, just offensive line woes. Just wasn't – nothing was going right. Um, and you thought, well, we've kind of – this feels a little familiar all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. We've seen this offense. It yeah. looks a lot like it did in particularly the first half against Arkansas State. Um, I will say, though, uh, you know, offense aside, it, the defense throughout, even in the first half – I thought the defense is playing okay yeah. right now. Yeah. I mean, it's they're not getting torched. Uh, Justin Gardner had a fantastic interception. Yeah, how about that? That was a great play. That when when that interception happened, and that gets overlooked. You, you know what? That kind of well. Go ahead, continue. Well, I'm just saying that that interception gets overlooked a little bit in the story of this game, just because the story of the game was the last 17 minutes mm-hmm. and change. Know. Yeah. Um, but that play by Justin Gardner. When he intercepted that, I said, that's the best play by a K-State defensive back I've seen in ages. You know what it actually, and I just now thought of it, but you know what it kind of reminded me of is uh, the 2001 K-State-Oklahoma game. It was on the other sideline where Terrence Newman had a nice interception. His was a little bit more, uh, he just kind of cut in front of the ball. Uh, It was a deep, deep shot, and he caught it, but... Kind of give you a little bit of flashback because Justin Gardner, I don't think a lot of K-State fans are too familiar with Justin Gardner. I don't know how many K-State fans were familiar with Terrence Newman back in 2001. But, uh, you know, there was uh, a Probably guy. a lot. <laughs> 2001? Yeah, probably. His junior season? He, he, his junior season was 2002, Mr. D'Lo. Did he go? He was, he was three and out. 
Huh? Huh? Well, maybe four now, but he he I don't think he played much in two thousand, if at all. Can't don't quote me on that, but we're we're getting off track here. So anyway, Justin Gardner, the next Terrence Newman. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't I don't think you can deny it at this point. But but my point is is that at halftime of that game, it wasn't like the first half was a disaster. No, no, not a disaster. Offensively, it was. Yes. Offensively, it was really ugly. But I remember coming. I remember sitting there at halftime thinking, "There's some things to be. There's some things to be discouraged about in the first half, but there's also some things to be encouraged about." I mean, we picked off uh, Radler twice. By you know, the defensive line was playing well. Secondary mm-hmm. was playing pretty well too. Um, you know, we found ourselves at a deficit, but the ugly the ugly part of that first half, the ugliest part of that first half for me, was OU's last touchdown drive. Yeah, that was pretty Where they just marched it down the field and just cut through us. Um, because at 14-7, you're feeling... Yeah, you're, you're right where you, cause you're getting the ball in half. You feel pretty good about where you're yeah. going. And yeah, then, but that drive before the half was just deflating. And that was a... Kind of a rarity for Oklahoma taking uh, four minutes to score. Yeah, can you imagine a four-minute drive? They were just chomping at their. They had to be just stomping their feet with uh, anticipation to get like what What are we doing out in the field this long? But uh, they they did a, Oklahoma did a really good job on that possession of knowing time in possession, knowing knowing clock, knowing score, saying you know what, let's we're gonna run this down. We're gonna give the ball to K State with. You know, hardly any time left for this offense to get anything uh, going, going into halftime and taking a two-touchdown lead in, which they did. So let's talk a little bit about the defense because I, I do want to spend a little bit more time on them here in the first half part of, of kind of breaking down this game. We, we mentioned uh, Justin Gardner. K-State had a lot of guys that were kind of being thrust in uh, to playing some – Big snaps that haven't really played at all. Justin Gardner, for being an example. Echo Boydo. Also, I mean, I don't think – I think he's played special teams. He's got some snaps here and there on defense. He was out there for pretty much yep. the entire day. And I thought those guys held up pretty darn well. T.J. Smith got out there. On, yeah. He got some snaps. I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot to like about these guys that have not really played before – Coming in and not only just doing it against a Big Twelve team, but doing it against the cream of the crop in the Big Twelve in Oklahoma. I thought the that crimson was, cream of the crop. That's absolutely right. That's uh, that's a good point by you. And right now, I thought that those guys in the secondary stood out to me a little bit. Um, I thought uh, Jaden Pickle, yeah, played really well. He had that he, big tip. Uh, I thought he did really well, and he was getting some good push. Um, but there's a guy that we're going to highlight, I think, in the second half. Yeah, the uh, guy who took over the game in the fourth That court. absolutely is... Don't spoil it. ...is a, uh, is a difference maker. Yeah, as some, well. might, some might use a different so, and we might honorary get to that. We, we might get to that. But uh, first half, you, you go into halftime down, two scores, and you're saying, you know what? Okay, this is probably what, right where we thought we'd be. Let's see what adjustments we can make at halftime. Go from there. Let's go out. Let's... Show some life. We're not going to, you know, I don't think K-State fans at halftime are thinking, okay, we're going to win this game. But let's go out. Let's put up a good showing. Let's figure out this offense and just try to get ourselves right and go out there and lose a two-touchdown game with respectably. 
I guess. And yeah. we'll move on with the rest of our season. So let's go. Let's get into the second half. Um, K-State gets the ball. First two possessions. Does about nothing. And Oklahoma looks like they, this, is, this is in cruise control for them. But I think the game changed a little bit there when we got a stop on Spencer Rattler on that quarterback sneak. It felt momentum shift a little bit. Like, hey, that, that's, you know, we're, we're hanging in there. We're, we're keep fighting. But then again, K-State doesn't really do much offensively. Punts it back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma scores again. 21-point lead. And then you're thinking, okay, this might get out Th- of this, this is going to get ugly. Yeah. We, we, we literally cannot do anything offensively. No. We don't, we're out of ideas. And then things Light, change. Lightning strikes. And I have to give a lot of credit to uh, the mess and to uh, the whole offensive staff because I thought it was very apparent what, what we decided. It was like, you know what? We're, we're going to pretty much give up on the run game. Yeah, we're we're it's not working. I think K State ran the ball. I, I've got in front of me here twenty uh, twenty six times for sixty six yards on Saturday against the Sooners, and it just it wasn't effective. In K State, I think does do this, and I think a lot of teams in, in football uh, do this. I, I being a Dallas Cowboys fan, I, I get frustrated with how predictable it is, where. You, we run the ball about every time on first down. The whole world knows it's coming, and we get, you know, maybe two yards or get up behind the chains, uh, and and we're playing from behind the sticks the rest of the the rest of the series. K State gets right back into it. First play of that uh, of that drive, seventy seven yards on a nice little five wide. We get Deuce Vaughn in the slot. He runs what looks to be an option route. Whether he can either, he's got got the guy, and he's got his defender in a precarious situation, to where Deuce Vaughn has the choice. He's like, I'm either going to cut out, or we're going to take this up to, up the field, and we're going to go on a uh, on a little skinny post, little slant, and uh, Skylar Thompson drills him in stride in Beautiful. kind of a tight window. Too. Beautiful, very nice pass. Uh, his best pass of the day. Yeah, great, and and it was right in stride. And Deuce Vaughn gets down there to the one yard line. We can take it in from there, and you say, "Wow, that's a bit of explosion that we haven't seen all season to this point, really." And okay, the offense maybe it's just one play. You know, we catch him in a good form. Well, let's talk about that play for a second because it was it was interesting when I was watching that game. I remember when that. The, the play took place, and I remember being obviously very excited. But at the time, I remember thinking, man, that was a really nice, like, juke on that uh, defensive back mm-hmm. yeah, he, by he Josh get, Youngblood. Gets the, gets the safety, yeah, gets him turned around. Yeah, right? I thought, man, that's, that is pretty elusive by Youngblood, who I, I don't really think of, ha- of as having that sort of shiftiness. And he's all the way down the field. And then he gets caught from behind, and I remember thinking, he that guy was that guy who caught him must be the fastest man on the planet to to have that kind of close on Josh Youngblood. And then it was Deuce Vaughn, and I thought, oh, 
Yeah, that makes guy. a little more sense all of a sudden. Yeah. But but that was very uh, just a very impressive pass and catch and run uh, by the K-State offense. And it's that kind of quick strike capability that, you know, K-State really hasn't had a lot of in the last, well, Long. decade. I mean, it, it'd be more than that. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it, you know, it, you, you just didn't see that really since Brandon Banks, that kind of like fast, uh, quick strike sort of offense. And so uh, that's a, a nice nice wrinkle there uh, for us. So we score there. OU goes back down, answers right away, saying, well, still not looking good for us. But K-State scores every possession really from there on out. Yeah. Other than taking knees and and, preser- and just killing clock. Well, in the, the – the, you, you called one change of – Momentum and the turnover on downs. Mm-hmm. I think the the, the big biggest, one, yep. the big one though, was the forced fumble. Absolutely. Uh, Jerron McPherson gets a hat on the ball, just beautiful form, and and nobody's gonna hold on to the ball. Uh, you know, if you're holding on to it with one hand, it, when somebody puts a helmet on it, great job by Jerron McPherson, and that's when K State had the chance to really start eating into that lead. Absolutely glad you brought that up, Jerron McPherson. I thought played. A tremendous game. Tremendous game. He brings a level of physicality from the safety position that K-State probably hasn't had at that position in, in some time. Uh, probably not since Marcus Watts. Yeah, probably not. And, you know, Marcus Watts was a one of my all-time favorites. Oh, yeah. As the a, hero of the Oklahoma State game. Oh, that, we could, He's we, a Wildcat legend. We we could, we've been there. We, we, we've, we've documented that. I, we, could, we could do a whole two-hour salvo to that 2006 Oklahoma State game. We need to start a podcast about the 2006 Oklahoma State game. That was a great game. Great game. <laughs> that beautiful, was fun. beautiful game. Beautiful game. Anyway, he was a difference maker on Saturday, and he's a guy that I've always really thought that he – Bring something different when he's back there to, to the defense as a whole. Because, one, plays with some swagger, first and foremost. But also, two, he is a thumper. He that Getting the hat on the ball like he did on that play, forcing a fumble. I can tell you he's had several of those moments that stick out to me as whether if it's you know coming down and run support like he did there. He's kind of an eraser in the run game uh, coming down from, from that safety position. So you love to see that, and I think that he has a really high ceiling uh, as he continues his career here at K-State. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I think after the game on Saturday, I have two favorite defensive players for K-State. One is John McPherson. The other one we'll get to uh, here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that, that forced fumble there um, was enormous. It was his second uh, – Turnover of the day that he was a part of. Well, I take that back. He uh, his interception was later on, but uh, regardless, uh, huge play by Jerome McPherson, and, and it gave K State a chance to uh, start digging into that lead for real. And they they answer right back after Oklahoma scores to go back up by twenty one. Uh, Mister Keon Mozzie making his. Is it Mozzie or Mosey? Mosey. I think it's Mosey. Good job by you correcting me there. Uh, he is the recipient of a Skylar Thompson pass. Gets down to the two-yard line. A little bit of a blown coverage there from the Sooners, but Thompson finds him behind. 
uh, the Sooners secondary, and he takes care of the rest. And at that point, you're saying, man, because K-State's doing really something we haven't seen this offense do, especially under Kleiman. And that pulls it within seven. No, that, that gets it back to 14. Oh, that gets it to 14. That gets it to 14. Okay. Then the fumble. Then the fumble. Then the fumble. And then at that point, down 14 in the ball plus territory. Okay. Score here. Score here. Let's hold them, we, we, and we might have a chance to we, tie this. We've got a, you know, we're, we get a chance to be in a single-possession game going in the fourth quarter, which K-State scores early in part of the fourth quarter. And now we've, we've got a ball game here. And yeah. I think one thing that was is maybe goes a little bit unnoticed. Spencer Rattler played well. Had I was impressed. I, he caught a lot of heat for that. I, I've seen a lot of people come down pretty hard on Spencer Rattler um, for that game. It's probably just because of the Ballyhoo. Mm-hmm. Um, much, very, very much a highly thought of, very highly touted, much Ballyhooed recruits uh, coming out of uh, the Arizona. High school ranks. But I was impressed with his restraint for most of the day because, yeah, he got a little um, stir-crazy back there in the pocket sometimes, started seeing some ghosts. But that's to be expected. He's a freshman. Mm-hmm. And, and K-State's pass rush was haranguing him for most of the second half. But, you know, he saw what K-State was doing most of the day, and that was preventing the big play over the top. Mm-hmm. And Rattler, to his credit, was being pretty patient throughout the day. He, he made the one throw into what was really great one-on-one coverage by Justin Gardner earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he was taking the dinks and dunks, and through most of the game, Oklahoma was moving the ball. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it was almost solely on, on his back, except for the one drive before the half. But, I I mean, his completion percentage for through three quarters was... Insane. I think. I don't think. I don't think they the, had a pass dropped. Or the the ball the didn't touch the ground yeah, exactly. until into the third quarter. Um, and so, no, I was. I was pretty impressed with them. I mean, if if you're an OU fan, it, it's obviously you're going to be pretty upset at the outcome of that game. But I think that if you're looking for bright spots from Spencer Rattler, like the guy's a true freshman, you're you're going to have some errors uh, when you have somebody that young. And you know, but what I think. Really, when you look at this game, comes down to I think a big part of how K State was able to pull off the upset and come back in, in such a in dramatic fashion. There, a freshman quarterback versus a fifth year senior. Yeah, and you know Skylar Thompson has his limitations. You know some of the K State fan base would probably say you know at this point he he is what he is and. You know he's kind of just that. In some parts, in some other parts of the K State fan base, say the book isn't written on Skylar Thompson just I, yet. I, I believe I remember somebody saying that. Right? And he has a chance to establish himself this season and kind of build out his legacy. And mm-hmm. he and he got off to a dodgy start in that first uh, sure. game, but uh, you know beating a top three team on the road with I mean just an insane comeback like that, uh, it it goes a long way. Absolutely, absolutely. His his uh, it, it's interesting. Beat Oklahoma twice, hasn't beat West Virginia, hasn't. Uh, you know, there there are some of those kind of odd little quirks. But you know, he played his best two games of his career against the best competition he's gone up against. Well, the best overall teams 
he's gone up against. Yeah, probably not, not the best, best defenses. defenses no, but, sure. Um, anyway, no, I, I agree with your point, though. That Two top five wins. For that Thompson, it, I don't know whether you want to call it moxie or guts or grittiness or whatever. He did get it out. But got to give him a lot of credit there. But down, I mean, if you're down 28-7 to seven and you have, shoot, probably – I know we had at least three three and outs in the first half. I think we started the second half with two or three more. Two, yeah. Um, on a day when nothing was going right for up to the midpoint of the third quarter. I mean, that guy hung in there and kept his cool and just kept, you know, what, whatever other cliches you want to say. But he hung in there, and finally the offense got going, and they found something that worked, and it happened to fall on his shoulders, and he just carried K-State the rest of the way. So, K-State gets the uh, gets the touchdown, cut it down to a, a, a seven-point deficit. Forces a punt from Oklahoma, and then good old special teams U takes over. That punt block... Is not being talked about enough. No, everybody's talking about the the big Deuce Vaughn play, and and that's really the highlight of the game. I feel like in, in people's minds, but that pump block was insane. I mean, that it was flashbacks to two thousand at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, where yeah. it was, it, it felt so. I mean, you mentioned O one Oklahoma, and I thought that on Saturday too. I was like. Eh, you know, we're kind of hanging in there yeah. and putting up a respectable performance, and maybe it won't work out, but it's something that our, our team can be proud of regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. And then came the pump block, and it's like I felt like I was in a time warp. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the game's the game changed in five minutes of, of clock. Yeah, and A.J. Parker comes unblocked right off the edge and gets there just in time, but came in like a torpedo. And... K-State recovers it, and it's just like, man, if you don't, if you're one of those people that believes that like momentum's not a thing, or it's all just, you know, it, it's easy to do, and I and I fall into that trap sometimes too. That like the term momentum is a little overblown, like, but if that pump block doesn't make you a believer, th- then I don't know what will, because yeah. that was just. The, the most appropriate time for a pump block that there's ever been. Mm-hmm. And it was it was huge. Gets K-State set up with a, a short field. And what was Gus? Have you gone back and listened to yeah. Gus's call? Where the hell was he? It didn't seem like he was at the ballgame. No kidding. It took... He sat there in what I assume was stunned silence for like five or six seconds after the pump block. And then he's like, and look at this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it, almost, it almost feels like... You know, he maybe took his eyes off the field, getting something set. Probably. Because, I mean, it was like, I mean, like every other K-State fan, you know, I'm up off the couch screaming hard. I'm hoping we can scoop and score yeah. off this thing. And uh, But K-State gets set up, punches it in on, on a long deuce Vaughn run, longest run of the, of the day for the Wildcats. And we got a brand new ball game here. We're all tied up. And all of a sudden, K State has a run game. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, you're just like, holy cow! We're, Everything's we're, working. Yeah, where 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 did this come from? So K State, we, we're we're back tied now. Now you have to think. Okay, we really haven't stopped the OU offense, but we've we've shown. I mean, OU's been moving the ball, but due to a couple of big plays, 
I mean, K-State finishes, I believe, plus four on the day in turnovers. And at that point, you're thinking, well, at least I'm thinking anyway, K-State, if they're going to win this game, some things are going to – we're going to have to be probably plus two in the turnover battle at least. Now, all of a sudden, we're, we're plus four. Now we have some real game pressure on on a true freshman court, or well, not true freshman, but a, a guy who's making his second career start. And at this point, you have to feel really good about where you're at. K State goes out and starts getting some serious pressure. On Is Rapp. it time to talk about? I it? think it's. I think. It, I think we've reached the time where Khalid Duke takes over the baller, game. and he is a baller. Absolutely. No question about it. He was the bet when, in the fourth quarter, when OU's offense and K State's defense was on the field, Khalid Duke was the best player on the field. The best, the biggest difference maker on that field. 100%. Um, he was just marauding. He was just forcing Rattler out of the pocket, getting sacks. I mean, taking on double teams and winning. It was so impressive. Uh, his fourth quarter performance on on Saturday that I, I I was blown away at his speed. I mean that one play where Rattler's rolling right and hard right. I mm-hmm. mean it's it's a almost a bootleg where he yeah, just sprint, gets the pocket right. and sprint right. And Duke damn near catches him from behind. Mm-hmm. And Rattler is not Jason White back there in the pocket. He's no. he's not a statue. You know, he, he, you're not exactly confusing him for Nate Hibble back there. No, he, he's not Michael Vick, but no. he's. But he's mobile enough, and uh, Duke just ran him down, and uh, Rattler ended up getting the throw off, but not by much. No. Um, so, yeah, Duke just absolutely took over uh, that left side there. But also credit to K-State's interior on some of those pass rushes, too, because I think on one of those, Boom Massey was lined up at uh, tackle, and busted through there. And K State's speed on the defensive line when they when it was when OU became one dimensional there towards the end, it was just they just overwhelmed OU's offensive line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, let's uh, so K State gets the ball back. Thirty five all. Gets the ball back with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. When K State gets the ball back, you're thinking, okay. Keep him out of the end we, zone. We want to no when K, no when K State oh. gets the ball back, tie ball game. I'm thinking with six minutes left, there's no way we can probably run all this clock off. And Oklahoma can score five plays and and be you know they're the most prolific offense. You just felt like it was a sleeping giant in the second half. Yeah, K, you you felt like K or you felt like OU. Over the last five years of, of college football, they've been the best offense in the country each of, the, each of those years. Ever since Lincoln Riley's been there, they've been unbelievable offensively. And they've done it scoring quickly and scoring lots of points. Yeah. So you knew K-State, what they want to do is get down there, get some points, and then hold on for dear life. Yeah. And that's what they do. Now, in this game... K-State doesn't really get a whole air in, in when it's 35-35. K-State hits a deep pass to the best in the world, Phillip Brooks. 
Drive stalls out. We bring on Blake Lynch at a shot at redemption. After having missed some field goals against Arkansas State, he gets the line up from 50 yards. And that wasn't a... That wasn't an easy decision. It no, and that and that's what I was gonna get to. I remember thinking, I was like, "Gosh, this is right at the edge of his." I mean, because I think we've talked about it on here. Forty-five and in, you feel very comfortable with Blake Lynch before this season. Yeah. And then you see it's fit from fifty yards. You're like, eh, this is right on the outer, outer. You know, if it was 55, and it because it, it was fourth and four. Yeah. If it's if we're five yards further back, that's probably we have to go for it or punt. And if we're two yard, and if we're two two yards closer, we're probably, probably just going, going for it. Yeah. He comes out there, right down the shoe. Right down the shoe. It it was an incredible gutsy call, mm-hmm. uh, not only for Kleiman's faith in Blake Lynch. But also in Kleiman's faith in the defense to go out there and take a less opt for a lead of less than a touchdown. Um, so that put pressure on that decision put pressure on the kicker and on the defense on the ensuing drive. But uh, when he made it, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm really glad he made that mm-hmm. because if if you go out and miss, then there's going to be a lot of people second guessing that decision. Mm-hmm. And speaking of second guessing. Let's get to the next OU possession. So Oklahoma, it's third and 17. Khalid Duke sacks Spencer Adler. Oh, but there's some laundry on the field. Uh Uh-oh, folks. Defensive holding on K-State. Not an automatic first down. Not an automatic first down because the ball was not thrown. And so at that point, I'm like, God, you know, this is just, this is terrible. We're going to gift these guys a first down and continue their drive. However. Uh-oh. An icon however, folks. Not an automatic first down, as you mentioned. K-State's able to get off the field there on fourth down. And and uh, with, a, with 432 left, or excuse me, uh, with a little under 432 left, that was when they started the drive, with two minutes and 50 seconds left, OU punts the ball back to K-State. Well, I remember, even on the even on the sack, on that third down where we sacked him, I was thinking, they got two downs to gain 17 yards here. Because mm-hmm. they don't have a choice. They have to, they, they, they can't punt the ball back to us. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, when it becomes even closer, when it becomes a fourth and seven, eventually, I'm thinking, well... Certainly, they have to go for this. They, they can't. They cannot punt the ball back with three minutes left. We're two first downs away from the game. And also, I mean, at this point in the first half, you're like, oh yeah, we'll stop K State. But th- this K State offense over the last f- four or five possessions, you haven't had an answer for. Right, and you know, I looking back, I can kind of understand where Riley was thinking because K State, K State's ground game. Aside from the one Deuce Vaughn run, borderline non-existent. I mean, I think we finished the day twenty-some-odd carries for sixty yards or something, mm-hmm. and twenty-five of those probably came on that Deuce run. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, okay, they're going to get the ball. K State can't really feel like they can pass it here. So you're kind of tying K State's hands by punting it because K State's going to become pretty predictable. Um, 
so in that respect, you're think you're thinking, let's let K State run three plays here. Let's burn some timeouts and get the offense back on the field. Because uh, if if OU misses that first down, uh, if they go for it and miss, the game's basically over. Mm-hmm. Um, I was shocked they punted it. I was too. I was shocked. It, it looked especially it, for Lincoln Riley to to do that. I mean. You, you take maybe an older school coach, you, you know, like, uh, oh, you take Bill Snyder. He's yeah. definitely punting that. Um, but oh, Bill Snyder's, yeah, gosh, 100% probably punting. But, oh, boy, I wouldn't like it. No. And I, I was shocked that they punted it. K-State gets the ball back. Or, or you know, K-State gets the ball back. Is able to roll off, you know, a little bit of time. That, that three and out did not bother me. Mm-mm. We punt it back to Oklahoma. Jerome McPherson seals it. Interception. At that point, it's all over. Yeah. K-State comes back from 21 on the road at the number three ranked team in the country to pull off a 38-35 upset over the Sooners. And establish themselves as the front runner. In first the Big 12 first place in the Big 12. And, and, and they are. That's, that's 100% true. And they were in lone first place there for a period of time. They were. Um, they have some company now. Now, I, before we put a bow on this, and I'm not sure how close we are to it, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned earlier about the second half adjustment for a mess mm-hmm. and saying, all right, we're going passing. You know, if you look through a play chart in the second half of what K-State did, particularly on first down, K-State came out throwing. Winging. I mean, I don't think K-State ran the ball on first down until that, uh, until the last drive, uh, well, that three and out that K State had following that questionable OU punt. Mm-hmm. But I think that completely flipped the offense on its head and put the OU defense on roller skates a little bit because here they were coming into this game thinking, "All right, we're gonna have to defend this this running oriented offense. We're gonna have to defend power." Quarterback run, little option game. Five wides? Five wides on first down? What? Huh? Um, but no credit to Messingham for... for the, you have to remember, that second half, that what we saw that worked, is not the offense that Messingham wants to run. No. It's not, not the offense... Not, not the offense we're recruiting for. Right. It, it's not the offense that... It's totally flipping the script. And it's the offense that uh, the offense that Messingham wants to run is that a gap power stuff where K State overwhelms them on the offensive line and makes enormous plays out of play action. And I'll be I'll say the offensive line what they've lacked in terms of run blocking. I thought they did a pretty darn good job of keeping Skylar Thompson upright and giving him time to throw the ball. Um, so maybe this offensive line's a little bit you know more suited at this point in time to be able. Uh, to protect now, I don't think K State wants to get into the, the the business of throwing forty times a game. Yeah, they don't want to throw forty times every game. Maybe they do. <laughs> we don't want to play Auburn every game. We don't. We, we don't want to play three Auburns. I'll yeah. tell you that much. Um, you get the feeling that uh, the Christian Duffy substitution for Leviston made a lot made a lot of difference. Made a lot of difference. Um, that's that's the big takeaway I, I saw 
um, on Saturday, uh, at least personnel-wise on the offensive line. But flat out, K-State's offensive line just played better in the second half. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge credit to them because uh, they struggled in the first half. I mean, a lot of those three and outs are products of, A, getting no push in the running game, and B, some of the, there were some pressures early on in the game. and But in the second half, they came in there and did what they were asked to do. I, I mentioned this early when we when we started this when we started this podcast that this is the most unlikely of a comeback I can remember a K State team making. Mm. That's wrong. That's wrong. 2015 Iowa State. Well, I I I, I give you that, but that was that this had a lot longer of a comeback to come from because there's more game left. You're going up against a much better team. You know, things can happen. They fumble the ball. Obviously, Iowa State does back in 2015 inexplicably when they could just knee it out. It's pretty unlikely. Very unlikely. (laughs) But that only took one thing to have to happen before we could really get back into it here. This took a whole quarter worth of, one, stopping a a highly vaunted offense. And then, two, also – we got to score some points. We got we got a lot of ground to make up here. Yeah, that's a fair point. Based on what the game, they're two totally different scenarios. But based on the game scenarios, flow, scenarios, based on the game flow, it, it seemed like, uh, I mean, Casey was on twenty eight to seven, and the offense wasn't working, and they were going against a really good offense. You got the feeling that at twenty eight to seven, you had to think Casey's going to need to score at least forty five points to win this game, mm-hmm. and our offense is broken. Um, so unless we fix it now, we're probably going to lose. Probably. But you know what? They did fix the offense. <laughs> they did. And that's why we're talking about a 38-35 K-State victory in what... Everybody needs to apologize to Courtney Messingham. Everybody needs to send written apologies to Courtney Messingham. I drafted one. <laughs> it's been sent. And I've had faith in, in Messingham the entire time. And I just thought, man, he this offense is not built to do what he wants to do, and that's unfortunate because I think when it is built to do what he wants to do, it's going to be really good. But in the meantime, Courtney, we probably need to to stop trying to jam a square peg into this round hole, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we did in the second half. Um, yeah, I I think that K-State was able to show some stuff offensively here, but also – you kind of look at this, what, what K-State was able to do in the second half, and the guys that you thought, uh, like, if you would have told me, hey, we, we come back from this this big deficit, how do we do it? I said, well, you know, we get the ball to our playmakers. We get it to Josh Youngblood. Josh Youngblood has two kickoff returns. We get the ball to, you know, uh, Malik Knowles uh, out wide. He, he hits a, you know, big one down the sideline or – you know, something where they sneak him out of the backfield like they did against Texas last year. He makes a guy miss, and it's, it's off to the races. But the big guys, Deuce Vaughn, Mosey. Chab. Chab Taylor. These are guys that, you know, K-State's got some playmakers offensively now. And not to discredit Josh Youngblood and not to just discredit Malik Knowles, who I think is our best wide receiver, but at this point – You've got other guys that you can say, yeah, you know what, we have some playmakers up and down, you know, at the skill positions here. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time? And not only do we have some guys that – Deuce Vaughn, freshman. Yeah. 
Mosey, freshman. I mean, these are guys that are young blood, are, are, sophomore, are just figuring this whole college football thing. Knowles, out. sophomore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, K State has. I mean, I, I mean, are these guys all world? Eh, maybe not. But we have. This is. I will say this though, in terms of having playmakers that are at this point in their career, you really have to like what what we have. Yeah, and coming in, I mean, the, the whole climbing experiment, you're thinking, man, this old-fashioned offense, smash-mouth offense, yeah, he's going to get a bunch of corn-fred people from the Plains regions and uh, try to bowl people over, and it's going to be some boring three clouds in a cloud of dust or three yards in a cloud of dust. But credit to him because he's found some playmakers. Uh, I mean, those are all climbing guys mm-hmm. besides Knowles. Besides Knowles. Um, but and, and Shab Taylor, who we, who we yeah, mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's yes. true. But but these the shrimps. I mean, Mosey and Youngblood and Vaughn. Uh, and let's toss in Briley Moore. Yeah, Briley Moore. Had, he's definitely getting. I well because he has the existing relationship with uh, Skylar Thompson. Yeah, having you know, kind of grown up with him a little bit, played played some ball with him. A little bit of security blanket at that big tight end position. You know, he's a guy. He had four catches for 31 yards. That's not going to jump off the off the page for you, but he's a nice big target that you can count on uh, in, in situations. There's gonna. I don't know when, but there's gonna be a game this season that he dominates. You just know it because he's gonna match up on some poor outside linebacker uh, when he's split out wide or some. Completely overmatched nickel or 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 and he some had that guy. he had that big one that guy yeah. with the illegal downfield but it's, we had a couple of those but that's a guy that's another huge mismatch problem and mm-hmm. you you start looking at this offense and you think man if we split out Deuce Vaughn wide that's a problem for some of these linebackers in this conference mm-hmm. who are going to have to try to keep up with them or or just he's he's just. You start recognizing some mashup problems that makes K-State's offense kind of tricky to defend. Um, and it's not as intuitive as it's been where it's just like, all right, line up, and your front seven better be on their toes, and the safeties better not let anybody over them uh, because K-State's going to run this power smash mouth stuff. Uh, with some of these skill position players, it's like defensive coordinators are going to have a much harder time trying to game plan for K-State than they have in the past. And, and that was one thing, too, and I think it's time that we, we, we wrap this one up here, but that was one thing that I always thought was a great um, was a great staple of those Bill Snyder offenses. And even with, with Dana Dimmel in 2000, 2012 and 2011 is what K-State maybe didn't have great playmakers. I mean, I would say they had great playmakers in 2012, but maybe not so much – as guys were kind of getting into the system and, and you know, figuring things out with a, with a first-year starting quarterback in 2011. But K-State was always so multiple. They gave, they gave defensive coordinators a lot to think about. Maybe that's what K-State is able to do now a little bit more with, hey, yeah, you know, our bread and butter might be more of a pro-style run-oriented offense. But, hey... We'll throw the we'll throw the plans in the air, the blueprint in the air, 
and uh, improvise here a little bit, and, and we have playmakers to do it. So interesting to think about there. It'll be really interesting to see how this all offense evolves as we move on here in the 2020 season. Yeah, and we'll get, we'll get on to this when we start talking about Texas Tech, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do this week against another uh, defensive unit that's uh, – Got some question marks. Got some question marks. Say, to say it lightly, well, let's go ahead and get on in to that K-State-Texas Tech game, 2.30 – Cancel those disappointments, folks. Yeah, your, your tooths are going to have to hurty for another week. Uh, it is K-State, Texas Tech, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, 2.30 on FS1. Joe Davis, the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, he's taking a break from baseball. He's coming uh, to the Little Apple, and he is going to be broadcasting this game along with uh, former Oregon coach Mark Helfrich. So... Oh, the, oh, they do a great job. They do, and they they have they have such nice rapport. It'll, it, I think, K State fans that are not able to be in the stands are going to really enjoy the call. Joe Davis is one of the best of the bits. Now, let's look at this Texas Tech team. We mentioned them earlier for fifty-seven minutes. Played a really nice game against Texas. Final three minutes and into overtime, a house of horrors for the Red Raiders. Yeah, talk about a game that just feels like a, a backbreaker. I yeah. mean, it, that, that, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. It, it certainly will because that's a game that's that sticks with you. That you feel like, man, being a, like I putting myself in the shoes of a Texas Tech fan during that game, you just felt horrible for him. Like I, I can't imagine a more devastating way to lose a game. Um, and if the wheels do in fact come off for Tech this season and they finish out two and eight. Um, three and seven, whatever. That's a game that Tech fans are going to look back on and think, "Man, you wonder what would have happened if we just would have held on to a fifteen-point lead with three minutes left." Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something that's going to stick in uh, Red Raiders fans' craw for a while uh, with that one. But let's look at these Red Raiders. Alan Bowman back at quarterback for the Red Raiders. I know you're high on Alan Bowman, or at least you were last year. I was last year, yeah, for sure. Um, but guy who's been plagued by injuries throughout his whole career, uh, he's done a good job when he's been on the field. Um, but uh, and so yeah, I mean, he has a big opportunity this year to kind of prove his worth a little bit, show his chops. Um, I didn't see his numbers from last week, but I presume based on the score that he uh, threw for about nine nine hundred yards or so. Um, he, he came up short of the 900 mark. He did only have 430 yards. Yes, yeah, so uh, pretty but, good day. Uh, pretty good day at the office for Alan Bowman. Three interceptions uh, against against that Texas defense. Um, oh, excuse me. He had 331 yards, so even more of a pedestrian game. I was looking at the wrong uh, line score there. Five touchdowns. Five touchdowns, three interceptions. You know, that's going to – when you throw the ball 52 times in a game, he's thrown the ball 52 times the last two weeks. Uh, so Something to watch. Something uh, to see if he uh, – you know, hits 52 again. If he hits 52, you can bet K-State's going to be king run. And, you know, at this point, I would say Texas Tech, they've they've played some exciting games. They had to hold off a last uh, – they had to hold off Houston Baptist uh, two-point conversion in week one uh, to preserve a 35-33 win over uh, the Huskies of Houston Baptist. But, you know – the. I don't want to say this is same old, same old with Texas Tech, but it's it's more or less kind of that what what most K State fans remember Texas Tech as under the Leach and Kingsbury days. It's 
We've got explosive guys out wide that we're going to get the ball to. Yeah, we got a trigger man that can do it with Alan Bowman. K-State saw that last week, obviously, with Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, and their crew of wide receivers. How do you think that this matchup uh, – how do you think this matchup translates for K-State? Having seen somebody that, you know, has great athletes and, you know, throw the ball around last week uh, with the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, I mean, I think that – it's uh, it's going to be a little more interesting. I think Alan Bowman at this point in the season, I, I would at, th- at this point in both their careers. I mean, if it was up to you, would you rather have Alan Bowman starting for your offense or Spencer Adler starting for your offense this season, next game? Probably choose Alan Bowman. I would. Nah, I might choose Rattler. I mean, well, fair enough. But uh, I think Alan Bowman's going to be a, a bit of a tougher threat for K State personally, only because he's. A little more mature, doesn't quite have the high end talent. Got a little bit more seasoning to him. A little more seasoning, probably not going to be quite as uh, skittish in the pocket as we saw uh, Radler become in the fourth quarter on Saturday. But I think K State's going to absolutely have its hands full on defense. I think, uh, you know, I think K State's still a little bit undermanned in the secondary um, and kind of playing musical chairs in terms of who's going to be where. you know, AJ Parker's apparently a nickel now. Move um, him around. Yeah, and so he can travel. I think uh, I think the front four needs to continue what we saw against Oklahoma on uh, Saturday, and get to Bowman and get some pressure on him and make him uncomfortable in the pocket because uh, nobody would confuse him for a super mobile. No, and you know I think that's a great point that you bring up, and I think that's. You know, something to watch with this K-State defense as we as we move on here in 2020 is we mentioned it earlier when we did our preview of this K-State team. You heard about guys like Khalid Duke that, you know, potentially a baller. I think he's a confirmed baller at yeah. this point. No, There's no question yeah. to it. You have guys like Wyatt Hubert who have a track record of, of being a, a very good Pass rusher. An all-conference talent. An all-conference talent. You have those two guys giving offensive line fits throughout the rest of the season. K-State, the most important position on the defense now, you know, back in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, I should probably say, you wanted just baller linebackers yeah. to, stop, to stop the run game. Now, the, most important, the currency of the day is dropping back and throwing the ball. The best thing to do that, to, to slow that down, in my opinion, is guys that uh, torment the quarterback. And I think K-State's got two top-flight guys with Khalid Duke and Wyatt Hubert. Now, Wyatt Hubert's been a, a little bit quiet. He hasn't maybe played his best football through two games, but he's a guy that you're going to always want to have an eye on. And I think a lot of what Khalid Duke, and maybe this is the point you might be getting ready to make, I think a lot of what Khalid Duke can, uh, can do as a pass rusher Stibbs because of so much focus on stopping 56. Well, I was going to go the other way. You think so? Why, why, why Hubert this season has, I'll say it, nobody, nobody else has the guts to say this, why Hubert's been disappointing this year. I think he's played unsound. A little selfish? I, I don't, I don't want to get into his motivations, and I don't know whether 
I don't know what it. I, I don't even want to comment on that. But he's been rushing the quarterback every play, regardless of whether it's a run play or pass play. He's been trying to jut up field and do whatever it takes to get a sack on every single play. And you see that him jumping off sides at least once. Uh, against Oklahoma, he had one in the first half that was like, that was just a matter of right time. Right in here, yeah. Um, but some really just bonehead plays against Arkansas State. And you get you got the feeling that he was just trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like he knew, okay... I don't know whether he's been reading the Manhattan Mercury too much or what. Could be. But it's just like, he just got in his head and it's like, I'm an all, I'm a first-team all-conference Big 12 player. I need a lot of sacks, so I'm going to get a lot of sacks this year. But after Saturday, hopefully, he recognizes that, okay, there actually is a baller on the other side of this defensive line. I don't have to do it all myself. Yeah. I don't have to do it all myself. I can just play some more responsible uh, football here and first and foremost, just do my job, protect the edge, and uh, kind of free him up to get some of the weight off his back to carry the defense. So um, I don't I don't want this interjection here to be like, shame on you, Wyatt Huber. But I do want to point out that the coming into the season, he was going to be our best player on defense. And so far, I don't know if he's been a top three or four player on our defense. And so... If, if he can get his head in the game and get it together, then that spells good news for a unit that performed pretty well on Saturday. I, I think that uh, I think that's well said. I think that's well said. So let's let's uh, let's maybe highlight one or two players. The one thing I'm going to highlight is it's going to be another big challenge for this secondary that was shorthanded against Oklahoma. You never know what's going to be able to happen uh, with whether if it's injuries or COVID outbreak stuff in terms of who we have available uh, in that defensive backfield. But at this point, I have to say that this is going to be another big-time test for these defensive backs, guys like Justin Gardner, Echo Boydo that are going to have to really show up in a big way. And these Texas Tech wide receivers, Keyshawn Carter, TJ Basher, to name a few, are as talented as any wide receivers that K-State's going to see you know, the rest of the season. And overall, you see what they did against Oklahoma, you feel encouraged that they can have a, a performance, that they can replicate that performance. Got to be a lot to ask for. Uh, coming back after a big win, uh, especially you know when everyone's been singing your praises here for the last week, but uh, really nice uh, opportunity here for for that secondary to show up in a, in a big way again on Saturday. Yeah, I'm actually going to go. I think the secondary is going to have its hands full too. I, I think, but I think the linebackers and I'll throw in AJ Parker, uh, the nickel there too. I think they're going to have an important job too on Saturday because yes, Texas Tech is. Alan Bowman throwing the ball 52 times. But Sir Roderick Thompson had a nice game against Texas, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Texas Tech running back, he rushed the ball for, uh, on 16 carries, ran for 104 yards against... uh, Nothing to sneeze at. Well, no. Against the Texas defensive unit, typically you think, okay, that's a program that's going to have a strong front seven there. And so uh, linebackers have to be careful and, uh, you know, try to keep him contained. But also just playing some of those underneath uh, zones that we saw a lot against Oklahoma on Saturday. K-State, when they had success in the second half, K-State was running a 
kind of a Tampa two um, scheme there. And if we see that again on Saturday, that puts a lot of pressure on those linebackers to cover the middle of the field, uh, you know, between five and 15 yards. And, and that's typically where over the years, Texas Tech's had a lot of their sweet spot. Offensively, let's let's switch the switch sides of the ball here to the offense. I want to see K-State get something going on the ground. It's been through two weeks, K-State's had about 100 or about 150 yards rushing uh, combined in those two weeks. Uh, that's not going to cut it throughout the entire season, I wouldn't think. This Texas Tech defense is definitely gettable, uh, through, you know, whether if it's through the air or through, through uh, the ground. Whether if it's Skylar Thompson running the ball, I know he's beat up a little bit. I know he had the sore groin, then the calf against Oklahoma. You, you want to limit him running the ball, maybe only in goal line situations where you need to get that extra man uh, for, uh, for your run game. I'd like to see K-State be able to line up and run the ball, whether if it's out of out of the, the eye or whether if it's out of, uh, you know, more read option type stuff where K-State is able to uh, get the ball, whether if it's the Deuce Vaughn, um, Mosey run the ball, maybe Jakari Wright gets into the action a little bit more this week. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities for K-State in this game to exploit this Texas Tech defense, and where I'm most looking forward to see that is – can they get something going on the ground? And see, I again, I hate to disagree with you, but I'm really interested to see what what the mess comes out and does this week, because sure. you know, through two games, K State has spent a lot of plays trying to establish an interior run game, and we saw that throughout the first quarter on Saturday, where K State had three possessions, three three and outs, and we saw that against Arkansas State, where K State's offense really sputtered around in the first half. I think at one point Harry Trotter had uh, like 12 carries for 17 yards or something. Mm-hmm. And so I, wanna, I would, wouldn't mind seeing K-State come out slinging it early. Maybe it opens up, open up the run game a little bit. Early, early in series, I mean, come out on first down and, uh, yeah, see what, see what you can do and, and see if that's there. And, frankly, just because the alternative is K-State – coming out on first down and running between the tackles and getting to second and eight. And so I, I think the book on K-State is that K-State's going to try to establish a running game uh, early in the game and screw around for a quarter and a half. And then they're going to open up the offense either in the second quarter or into the third quarter like we saw on Saturday. And that's where they're really deadly. But, man... At this point, after watching two games, I wouldn't mind seeing Skylar Thompson come out and throw the ball 40 times. Like, that's... Might be the best option for it, us. It might be, and, and it certainly beats trying to run between the tackles because that just doesn't work. And I get the feeling that a lot of what K-State tries to do, or, or at least where K-State can have success running the ball this year, is on the edge. And I think Skylar Thompson being injured and not really being a factor and not really seeing any zone reads to speak of so far through two games. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that's really uh, hamstringing K-State's rushing attack here because otherwise all we've, all we've really seen is them trying to attack the edge via uh, some of those off-tackle runs like we saw with Deuce Vaughn where he broke mm-hmm. that, and then trying to get some lateral running games. We saw a few jet sweeps on Saturday too mm-hmm. that really didn't amount to much. We saw a reverse that 
just got blown well, up. Yeah, that was, which which was such a shame because uh, the initial run was there. Yeah, you always wish you just kept it. And yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that's off tackle, and, and that's available. And so what I don't want to see is K-State even bother with trying to run between the tackles. And if they if they do and it works, fantastic. You'll eat the crow. But uh, there's the ground that K-State's had this year in the run game has just been off tackle and don't get cute with it. And... You know, we saw K-State try to run that pitch play, too, on Saturday to Deuce, um, where he fumbled it, put it on the ground, and just kind of, it was just blown up from the start. But it's encouraging that Courtney Messingham is recognizing that there's just no daylight between the tackles. And so, if K-State can come out and establish a power run game like, like you kind of alluded to, Great. Great. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be thrilled, and that's fine if it works. But so far through eight quarters, we've seen that tried ad nauseum and fail against two defenses that aren't very good. Um, and so I'll just be interested to see if, if Messingham rolls with what's been working so far. Well, let's get a pick. K-State a two-and-a-half-point favorite as of now, over-under at 64. Expect some points maybe to be uh, scored in this one. Maybe coming off that, uh, maybe 64 points might not be enough uh, for, for a total with what K-State's been able to do uh, in the last two quarters of offense. Uh, really more a quarter and a half of offense. But let's get a prediction from you, d uh, what, what do you see on, on Saturday? I see some points. Uh, I, like, we, like we talked about earlier, I, I think K-State's defense is going to have its hands full. I think they're up to the task, though. I, while I like Alan Bowman more, right now on Saturday than I would Spencer Adler. Uh, I think Oklahoma's offense is probably the better offense overall on any given day. Uh, and I came away impressed with really all three levels. I mean, we talked about the secondary, we talked about the defensive line, but I thought the linebackers did a good job on Saturday too. I, th- I think the whole front seven did. Um, so I have confidence in them. I, I have confidence that uh, the offense has started to will hopefully start finding an identity, um, whether that's utilizing more spread approaches and trying to get matchups on the edge and not stay between the hashes so much, uh, whether it's uh, mostly in the run game. But also Thompson really gaining some confidence in some of his secondary targets and hopefully getting Malik Knowles uh, and Josh Youngblood involved in the offense. Sure. So I think K-State's offense is going to have a big day against a defense that's that's just flat not very good. this game feels like a game K-State wins in the range of 41-31. 41-31. So K-State gets the win. According to Delu. I have K-State also winning this game. A little bit lower scoring. I'm going to go K-State 33. Texas Tech, 30. Oh, all right. So so this, so this you think the, the guys out in the desert have this one? I, I do. I think it's, a, it's an interesting, tricky matchup for K-State, especially coming off such a high last week, upsetting Oklahoma. It's going to be big to get, um, to get that focus back in. Obviously, last year after K-State upset Oklahoma, they go on the road to play KU, and they dominate that game. A little bit different situation now, of course, uh, just with um, – the matchup that we have with Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech presents a difficult matchup to K-State with uh, the tempo, uh, the pass catchers that they have on the outside. And quite frankly, I think I'm a little worried about that. 
But I think K-State makes enough plays. I think having a senior quarterback like Skylar Thompson is the difference again in this one. Very good. Well, and it'll also be interesting to see just, uh, you know, the storylines on Saturday. Rarely, if ever, have you seen two teams match up against each other coming off such one team coming off such an emotional high and the other team coming off yeah. such an emotional low. And, that, and that's just it's hard to imagine to a more gratifying victory and a more horrific defeat mm-hmm. um, in the week prior than than these two teams had. Lot to watch on Saturday, 2:30 FS1 is where you can find it if you're going to be there uh, in uh, the bill for this one. Uh, it should be a beautiful day for it. it. Should be a great football weather. Uh, should be a great game. So I think uh, that wraps it up here for the uh, Texas Tech uh, preview, uh, as well as the Oklahoma review. After a short break, we will be back to highlight one of Delu's Wildcat legends and answer your questions and ask the icon. Join us after the break. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where the icon and I are about to take you into a segment that we like to call This Week's Wildcat Legend. And I call on... This week's Wildcat legend hails from Liberty, Missouri. Liberty Mo. I know who it's got to be already. Who? It's going to be David Allen. <laughs> ah, not quite. Any other guesses? I'll let you continue. This is always fun when I try to guess the light. Le- it's like almost like a 20 questions, but instead of 20, it's like usually like three or four. But when you usually get to second team, Topeka All Cat, or no, it, it was All 11. Yeah. Topeka All Capital Journal. That's usually where I get it. You know, about that third or fourth clue. You might get this one right off the bat here because it's it involves your Dallas Cowboys. This uh-huh. Wildcat legend is cousins with Andy Thorne, who of course played tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, uh, okay. You know, need a little bit more. Um, he has another cousin named Justin. Uh, who he shares a surname with. Okay. Uh, that played linebacker at Northern Iowa. Mm. Mm. It's on the tip of my... Maybe just one more. His parents' names are Brian and Terry. Brian and Terry. Okay, I think I know this one. Is it Peyton Kirk? <laughs> it's Peyton Kirk. <laughs> All right. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, man, Peyton Kirk had quite a career. Uh He's a two-year starter at Liberty High School, uh, started at both defensive tackle and defensive end, and also played on the offensive line. He was a 2006 second-team Class A or Class 6A All-State selection mm. by the Missouri Football Coaches Association. And that's, a, and that's a proud organization that knows their football. Yeah, he was uh, first-team Suburban Big 7 honors at defensive line. Uh, his senior year, he recorded 50 tackles. Uh, this is his senior year in high school. Recorded 50 tackles. Uh, eight tackles for a loss and four sacks. Uh, just came in with pretty much every recognition you could have uh, by uh, the Kansas City Metro uh, news uh, regarding high school football. Uh, in 2007, he redshirted uh, under uh, Ron Prince in Coach Prince's second year as the head man for Kansas State. Uh, in 2008, he saw action in six games uh, on the defensive front and blocked a uh, blocked an extra point. Uh, 2009, his sophomore campaign, saw some playing time in seven games uh, and had one assisted tackle. And he was also uh, very valuable on special teams that year. 
Uh, in 2010, though, uh, probably his best season, he appeared in all 13 games and actually earned a start against Syracuse in the Pinstripe Bowl mm. uh, and collected four tackles on the year, uh, one in each of the following games. UCLA, Missouri State, Iowa State, and the famous North Texas game in 2010. Um, in 2011, he saw action in all 13 games again, but mainly on special teams and did not record any statistics that year. Uh, these days, he's the co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach at uh, Highland Community College uh, out there in... Uh, where is Highland? You know, I believe it's in... Concordia is where Cloud County is. I believe Highland... It's a great question. Well, in any degree, he got his uh, bachelor's degree in secondary education uh, and really just a utility knife for uh, Coach Prince and Coach Snyder right at the edge of, of that overlap there. Uh, it's in Highland, Kansas, by the way. Who would have thought? Oh, yeah. Well, he does a great job out there for the Scotties, uh, calling their defense, and uh, and we're all really proud of him here at the short side option. Um, you know, uh, connection. I have a connection to Highland Community College. Uh Family friend of ours uh, played or played at Kansas State. Aaron Arnold played at Kansas State from Scott City, Kansas. He was the head man at uh, Highland County, and uh, recently uh, retired. Uh, within the last, I believe he retired. I want to say it was back earlier, just this year. So uh, definitely a K State connection uh, up there in Highland, Kansas. Well, that's great, and and that's that kind of family atmosphere, and, and him just putting in. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of time, and, and garnering some uh, pretty memorable, pretty memorable moments, especially in that uh, um, that blocked extra point he had, I believe, in two thousand eight, rather two thousand seven, whatever his redshirt freshman year was. Sure. Anyway, uh, Peyton Kirk does a great job, and he does a great job now calling uh, defense for the Scotties, and that, my friends, is why Peyton Kirk is this week's Wildcat legend. And I kind of, we're going to now get into the final segment on the show, uh, a segment that we like to call Ask the Icon. And listeners, of course, by this point know that they can submit their questions to the shortstop options very own Chris the Icon Sork uh, by telling them to us on Twitter. Um, let's get let's get started, man. I'm ready for it. We haven't done one of these in a while. Yeah, I mean, you could tweet them at us at the shortside option podcast at TSSO underscore podcast on Twitter or by using the hashtag Ask the Icon. Or by uh, getting some gasoline out and taking a mo- taking a bucket of gasoline out to to the icon's uh, apartment parking lot here, and uh, write your question in gasoline on the pavement and set it on fire. Anyway, yeah, I mean, he'll we, read we, it. We find a way, and uh, we we just want <coughs> you to, you know, I I said I believe. Uh, uh, you know, in soliciting questions uh, for the Ask the Icon segment this week, I said to fire away. That's one way you can fire away is, uh, you know, light up, the, light up the parking lot a little bit for me. That's exactly right. And so without any further ado, we'll, uh, we'll hop right into this here. Um, our first question this week comes from a listener that always does a good job for us here. Uh, this listener is at KSU underscore funny. 33. Uh, he always does a good job. Uh, he asks, um, 
How good is Deuce Vaughn going to be when his career is over? Gosh, when you look at his first two games in the purple, it's hard not to uh, to have expectations that rival some of the greats that have that have uh, that have played here at Kansas State. Oftentimes, the comparison due to one the position he's playing, due to uh, his also due his size, Darren Sproles. That comes up routinely. Two diminutive fellows. I will say this. At this point of his career, he's a whole lot further ahead than Darren Sproles was. Yeah. I mean, Darren Sproles got time as a freshman. Mm-hmm. True freshman. But he wasn't as central in the offense as Deuce Vaughn is right now. No, he, he certainly wasn't. And I think Deuce Vaughn has those abilities. In, you know, I mean, Darren Sproles, when he got to the NFL after K-State, he was a dynamic you know, kick and punt returner, of course, but he was also primarily just a matchup nightmare in the passing game uh, for for the Eagles, for the Saints, for the Chargers. He did it all, and what you see that a little bit, kind of what Darren Sproles was at the next level with what Deuce Vaughn is currently uh, in terms of being able to be that mismatch out of the backfield or when they're, you, you know you line them, line them up out wide or in the slot. So those comparisons are, um, I think, are very intriguing. I would hate to um, you know, put too high of expectations on, on a guy who's played two games to compare him to the best running back in K-State history. But uh, through those two games, you can see why those comparisons are being made. Yeah, I, I think the... Uh... The comparison that I I liken him to, just because I hate to compare him to Darren Sproles, a guy yeah. who played in the NFL for 15-plus years. A, like fifth all-time in all-purpose yards in the it's, NFL. It's a little unfair. Um, but this early in the career, who he his trajectory reminds me a little of Leon Patton. Speaking of 2006 Oklahoma State. Central role in that game. Absolutely. And, and that is a freshman who came in and we just – had extremely high hopes for and things didn't exactly work out but in terms of on the field football ability and trajectory that's the last time I remember feeling this way um and so hopefully his career likens the uh Darren Sproles a little more than uh Leon Patton who who flamed out but um I think the sky's the limit for uh Deuce Vaughn this early in his career Um, 100% but certainly high hopes for the young man the sandblaster uh, Mahomes 2020 at KSU Funny had a couple follow-up questions. Uh, for me, first, uh, getting into Ask Dulu here, if I may. Fire away. Uh, he says, how long did it take you to compile the gems from the Sooner board the other day? And I'll reset for our listeners yeah, for a moment. Yeah, absolutely. Fire away. Uh, one thing I like to do after a K-State victory is go over to the other team's message boards and kind of compile the funniest, uh, comments they have from their game thread and I put that all in a thread at goema.com, and we all just kind of laugh at the funny stuff they say. Now, and I, I want to jump in here real quick for you, too. You do this all, correct me if I'm wrong, hop in here, but you do this all chronologically, too. Right. So, it's, so it all follows the flow of the game. It's not just like, oh, this was really funny that was said in the fourth quarter. Oh, this was really funny that was said in the first quarter, and it's all kind of mismatch. No, this is in chronological order. It allows you to kind of relive the game from their perspective, um, which is very fun to do. Uh, 
but it's also pretty labor intensive to get to uh, at KSU Funny's question. I started uh, the gems thread um, on Saturday about in the first quarter of the KU game. Uh, I sat down, popped open the computer, and, and watched the KU game and got to work. And I think there were there's something like. 35 pages of these message board posts and totaling maybe 13, 1400 posts. Um, but it takes, it takes a long time. I finished up uh, well after the KU game was over. I did some other things in between. But all in all, it, it took me probably uh, close to three and a half, three, three and a half hours. Um, Thank you for your service. But it's a, it's a labor of love. It, it's very yeah, fun it's to do, nice. but, it, but it certainly does take a long time. Um, and then Mahomes2020 asks, uh, how, how are you handling the D. Scott news? And for those of you, I'm sure most of our listeners are aware, but for those that aren't, uh, the institution, as he's affectionately known as here at the Short Side Option Podcast, announced uh, that he is no longer writing for GoPowerCat.com um, after two decades of uh, grinding on sports stories. D. Scott is, uh, is calling is, – the sun is setting on D. Scott's tenure – Echo Power Cat, and love him, dislike him somehow, or indifferent about him. Uh, he is a guy who has been a staple throughout uh, the last 20 years of K-State football, and we here at the Short Side Option podcast, Mr. Icon, if I may speak for the two of us, 100%. Uh, are sorry to see him go, but have the utmost confidence that he will land on his feet and continue grinding and drinking coffee and putting out Excellent long-form feature articles. You know, it, it, I'm glad that uh, we had the chance to, um, to have the chance to talk about uh, D. Scott. You know, I, I, it, it brings me back to a, uh, to you and me. We're driving up to uh, to go to that K State uh, Texas Tech game back in 2018, and that was the last game at uh, at Bill Snyder Family Stadium that Bill Snyder coached, and. You had tweeted out a comprehensive list of K-State icons. On that list, D. Scott Pritchett. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you reach a point. A lot of these Big 12, people around the Big 12 for a long time, if, they, if you just hang around long enough, I'm going to like you. I mean, Mac Brown, love him. Bob Stoops, terrific. Hated him for a long time. Hated him for a long time, but eventually it's like, you know what? I like Bob. Yeah. And guys like Gundy, Gary Patterson, like it's the people who hang around, just hang around long enough. They get a chance to hang around long enough too. Yeah. You know know why? Because they do a good enough job. Yep. And good enough puts uh, D. Scott's is, is, is not showing, is not a... High enough adjective. For, no, it's for not indicative of, of the work he's done. But he's he's been around for twenty years, and uh, you know, hearing his questions in the post game are uh, just like a warm blanket on a cold day. Because number one, oftentimes they're hysterical <laughs> because they're like a minute and a half, uh, but extremely well thought out, and the guy does his homework and. Uh, you know, there's there's there nothing beats a nice super close up photo of food, and nothing beats just like 150 stories written about K State every summer, 
And yeah, he, he grinds them out. <laughs> he no grinds question. them out. And it's great. It gets us through the offseason. So, uh, you know, we know that he'll, he'll land on his feet, and uh, we wish him nothing but the best. That's right. Uh, our next question comes from listener Ben Trent. Mr. Icon, for the first time this year. It's time to go to the corner. It's time to go take a walk, put on our tweed sweaters, and take a visit to Philosopher's Corner. Quote, Come the right moment, a pawn can bring you victory. That's a quote by Ho Chi Minh. Hmm. Who was the pawn on Saturday? Not the headliner, but the unsung hero that secured the bag in Norman. Wow. That's good stuff. That's a, that's a really smart question um, from Ben Trent. Uh, we always like Philosopher's Corner, and he always does a great job. So, Mr. Icon, who was the pawn on Saturday that, that toppled the uh, top of the king? You know, that's a, that's a really well thought out question, as you mentioned, and that's something I'd given some thought to. You know, of course, Deuce Vaughn, Skylar Thompson, uh, they're going to get the majority of the headlines. It, well deserved, too. For, uh, for K-State's comeback against Oklahoma. But there are plenty of unsung heroes throughout. Guys like, you know, Justin Hughes. Yeah. Ten tackles, four of which were solo. Guys even maybe a little bit lower down that, you know, don't flash as much. You know, of course you're hearing Justin Hughes when he's making tackles. You know, he's getting his name called. Guys that are eating up. Uh the offensive line so that those guys could run three, run free and make those plays. Look at guys like Drew Wiley, Jalen Pickle that were coming up big for K-State uh, on the interior of the defensive line. And then I'll take another shot. I thought Ross Elder played really well at the safety position. I think he did a fine job on Saturday. And that was a huge, huge, That's a big huge, huge concern yeah. going in because you knew with what K-State had struggled with against Arkansas State, in the secondary, that um, that was going to be an issue. I um, I really liked what he brought to the table. There were um, there were lots of guys I could I could go on and on, but those are three guys that really stuck out to me uh, on Saturday. Yeah, Ross Elder's a, a, a really good one because you thought, man, that's a guy that they're going to set their sights on and try to pick on all day. But really solid. Yeah, really solid. That if if you're a safety and you're not here, not in the spotlight. That's that's where you want to be. Yep. Not letting anyone behind you. Our next question comes from listener Trim at Trim Go Ema. He asks, softer, the icon's hair or OU's defense? Man, that's a that's a tough question. Uh, that OU defense looked pretty soft there for the final uh, about 20 minutes of that game. Well, I mean, what say you? Well, I, I just gave the icon a nice pet, and I got to tell you, I think the icon's hair is softer. There you have it, folks. Um, next question comes from listener Steve Becker at S Becker eighty seven. I know where this one's going. Now I that, go, I, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you ask your question. Yes. Does the icon still want to fire Chris Kleiman, Mister Icon? Do you you want to fire? Do you think Chris Kleiman should be fired? You know, I've made an oath. And my word is as strong as oak. And in this, in this uh, declaration that I, I've made, you know, personally, I had my sights set uh, for the next head coach of Kansas State to be Brent Venables. 
the uh, of course the current defensive coordinator at Clemson. You will not hear me say that Kleiman needs to be fired for the rest of this season and for the rest of next season. Period. No matter what. After that, all bets are off. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. But but for for Kleiman, he he's he's earned the right to. Uh, to not get criticized by idiots like me um, for saying that he needs to be candidate, we need to go hire Brett Venables because he probably won't come here anyway because he's probably rebuffed us uh, maybe a time or two already. So I'm I'm uh, I'm fully behind Chris Kleiman at K State. That's on record, and uh, that's that's what I'm sticking with. All right. Well, smack forwarded to Mr. Icon by Mr. I, I, I'm happy to eat the crow. Happy to eat the crow. Uh, our final question this week comes from listener Chris Hansen at C Hansen eighty eight, and uh, Icon. This is a this is a question that involves some odds here. Okay. You're familiar with you, you've maybe placed a wager or two in, in your time. Uh, yes, the odds. He proposes the following odds for the next Big Twelve coach to be fired. Okay. To be canned. To be canned. To be axed. For Tom Herman. To be yeah, severed. For Tom Herman. He has most likely on the list at eight to five. Matt Wells next, five to two. Neil Brown, three to one. Les Miles, six to one. Kleiman, eight to one. Patterson, ten to one. Gundy also at ten to one. Matt Campbell up in Ames at fourteen to one. Dave Aranda, the new Baylor headman, at twenty to one. And Lincoln Riley at twenty-eight to one. He asks, where are you putting your money? Hmm. It's a tough one. Um, now, the devil's in the details here, because he's asking to be fired. Fired. Not take a different job that your contract has to be terminated early by the institution. But fired. Canned. Sacked. You look at these odds, and you look at the, in the order he has them, I think Tom Herman at 8-5 to five is the best choice, and he is the favorite, so it's a little chalky. I don't think Matt Wells is probably going to be getting fired anytime soon. I think you'd be surprised. You think so? I went over to... Uh, Raider Power? That actually doesn't exist anymore. It's No. Yeah, it's a new thing now. It's whatever it is. Well, I know our friends at Staking the Plains. They've got a, they've got a little message board there. they got a nice community there as well. Well, right. But um, whatever their message board is now, their 24-7 board, uh, the natives were getting a little restless with Matt Wells. Uh after understandably after the game on Saturday, but kind of a disappointing season last year. This year's off to um, a rocky start, to say the least. Through two games for the Red Raiders, um, I think I think Matt Wells is the third most likely. Uh, second most likely, yeah. Excuse me, second most likely, probably about right. I think uh, Neil Brown being more likely than, than Les Miles. Um, by by. Uh, Mr. C. Hansen, eighty-eight here. Yeah, I think that's a little dodgy. I think, um, but but where where do you any dogs that you uh, take a long shot on here? You got to think Dave Aranda's at least two or three years out, at worst. You know, I can see Gundy. Things have things could go sideways. Things could go sideways. You know, they haven't been particularly sharp. They had a nice win last week um, against West Virginia. Uh, 
gosh. But, I mean, they haven't really looked – I mean, that first game against Tulsa, I mean, now, granted, they had some injuries at the quarterback position, and they had to kind of pull one out there against Tulsa. But I could – if you're looking a little bit down the board uh, to, you know, make that money stretch a little bit further, I think Mike Gundy might be where you would look at. I, I don't think Les Miles is going to get fired – uh, that would be more of maybe of a retiring type situation, uh, but in terms of getting fired, Mike Gundy at ten to one would be would be tempting if you're trying to maybe hit one there. But you like Tom Herman? You think Herman's most likely here? I think Herman's the most likely. I think he was on the hottest seat going into the season in Texas. You know, for all intents and purposes, they should be one and one. They should have lost to Texas Tech. And the way way this college football season is going to go and with athletic budgets being at a shortfall uh, throughout the country. You think every every coach has a grace. I think pretty much. I mean, unless things just are irreparable, I think everyone's going to get another year. Nobody's looking to pay a buyout. On t- right yeah, on top of you know going out and hiring someone else uh, to to uh, take over, I think that's going to be a little bit dodgy. I I would have to say Tom Herman's going to get through this year. I think Texas is going to have a fine year. Um, gosh, I, I think the the heat will get turned up on him because also next year he's going to have to he's not going to have Sam Ellinger back. I would presume uh, to be to be his quarterback. Now, they've recruited well, no question about it. I mean, Texas has to be the odds-on favorite to win the conference right now. Uh, Yeah, probably. I mean, probably not greater yeah, than I, the field. I, I, but... I, bet, I bet Oklahoma is, would, would be still the betting choice. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's, it's pretty wide open. Uh, I don't think, obviously, a loss like Oklahoma suffered uh, – you know, to K State last last week is going to disqualify. I think you know, they'll get into the. Conference. I don't think they're disqualified, but I think, I think that they'll get their into- odds probably are lower now than Texas. Uh, it's about the same, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think that also too Oklahoma. I think I mean shoot. I think any team this year, if you've got two losses uh, in conference play, that's probably going to be enough to win or to be in first place in the league. Maybe not win it outright because there's not. A, yeah, I mean, because well, one. You think the you think the first place Big Twelve team at the end of the year is going to have two losses? I do. Wow, I do. I I I don't think the. I think just with the nature of you know having to have players set out whether like I mean for example Baylor had their game canceled against uh, Houston. Uh, what was that two weeks ago? Due to not because of positive COVID tests, but due to contact tracing protocols Mm -hmm. if you have to have players sit out not necessarily due to contact or not necessarily due to you know them being sick and having uh and having positive results i mean gosh that that can get a little dodgy i know k-state's dealing with it too i mean every team's dealing with it because those are the protocols that are in place so a lot of uncertainty right a lot of uncertainty and i i don't personally see how you can say with as wide open as the big 12 looks like it is after you know, two games that you can count on anyone getting out of here. One, unscathed. I, if anyone goes undefeated, I would be shocked in conference play. And 
really, when you look at it. I think a team like Iowa State this year, there's a lot. They had some high expectations. They've got a big game this weekend against Oklahoma. That is an elimination game for Oklahoma, really. I mean, it, well, it, no, it, because they, Oklahoma can still be in first place. They've they've only lost two games. Yeah, but you lost two games out of the out of the yeah, first no, two conference games. Yeah, it gets a little dodgy at that point. But it's not an elimination game, I should say. But it is a as close to a must win, I think, as you can get early on this season if you do have conference style aspirations, which. I know both those teams do. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Icon, that wraps up uh, our questions from the listeners. Do you have anything else to say? You know, I don't think I do, Dilu. It's great to be on uh, again with you. I know uh, schedules were kind of crazy over the last two weeks uh, that that uh, didn't allow us to get to uh, to get to record. But it, it's great being back, and it's great to uh, talk some football. That was a fun three hours on Saturday. You know, it really was. In terms of, I, I know I said it's the most. Uh, unlikely comeback in case of history, but and that's up for debate maybe. But in terms of just a fun, fun win, I don't know if there's been one that's. I mean, you can take the Oklahoma game last year, but that game was a little bit different because you're sweating for nine minutes at the end of the game, holding on for dear life. Yeah, exactly. And this game, you're tooth and nail throughout. You're you're trading scores. You're you know getting big plays. It's not, hey, we just need to hold on here and just run. The, For the love the, of God, is let this the clock, clock at zero. Yeah, is this clock, can it move any slower? Uh, because we were all, we were all uh, at that point in the game last year, we're just trying to get out of there uh, and, and get, get, uh, get the final cl- buzzer to sound there. And uh, thankfully it did. And, but this one was, was right down the wire, of course, uh, back and forth. So definitely an exciting game. What, what is, I mean, do you, when you look back at just a, a game that you came back feeling, man, that was just – that's the best case state win since I don't know when. What, what, give me your top two here in, in recent memory. Because right. I have to think that this one is right there. Let's let's throw out Oklahoma from last year just for – Yeah, I, I would – I think those are the two obvious choices. I think 2012 OU – uh, is as good as I felt. I mean, because there was a lot in front of that team too at that point. In the yeah, that's right, and and that that's one of the highest, uh, most euphoric wins I can remember. Um, what was it? Two thousand seventeen Oklahoma State. That was is that that's the one that Pringle had. Uh, yeah, big game there. Um, yeah, that was a fun one too. We were big dogs in that one. I'm to the tune of like. 21. 21. I was in Vegas for that one. Yeah. Took K-State out. And you know what? I was such a nerd. K-State was a 21 point, fa- point underdog in that game. And you know what I did? I bought a half a point to get it, to get the hook to get up to 21 <laughs> and a half. Well, you, you, sometimes you need that. Didn't in this case, but you know it, it was yeah. a uh, it, it was uh, that was a fun one to be uh, to be in a sports book for and and to be there with a, a lot of really good buddies for. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, but no, just an excellent game. Just get, there's nothing better than a nice college football win, and uh, to say the least, that's what we got on Saturday. Absolutely. Well, I think that wraps it up here for the this edition of the Short Side Option, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to uh, break down the Texas Tech game and uh, look ahead. As uh, K-State continues conference play uh, on the road next week against Texas Christian. For Chris and Dilu, sign off on the short side option.